This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, it's not often that people outside of Colorado have reason to talk about the Eastern Plains, but a dispute over some ranch land just east of the Springs has escalated into a full-blown viral moment, with allegations of a racist conspiracy and a black farming family facing felony charges. The president of the Rocky Mountain NAACP, Portia Prescott, is in El Paso County trying to help Nicole and Courtney Mallory, and she's on with me today to explain why. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Portia Prescott, welcome to CityCast Denver. It's great to be here. So Portia, I don't normally like to talk about the production process, but we've had to reschedule now today. And I know this story is still very much in flux. You're in El Paso County right now. Can you tell me what's the very latest with Nicole and Courtney Mallory? Gosh, it has been in flux. Right now, the very latest that I'm happy about is that Courtney Mallory has retained criminal defense lawyer, a good one. So his court date has been moved to March 30th at 10 a.m. Now, for as far as Nicole, she has a hearing for a previous case at 8.30 in the morning. Hmm. All right. So there's multiple cases going on, lots of allegations. Um, I think maybe now we should catch people up if they aren't familiar with this story. Can you explain the backstory with the Mallory's and their ranch? Yeah, so the the Mallory's, uh, Courtney and Nicole Mallory, they came from Texas. Um, they they were victims of the hurricane that happened in Houston, and and after all of that, decided you know what a great opportunity to come to Colorado. They acquired the land, Freedom Acres Ranch, August of two thousand and seventeen, and were hoping to come here and you know have a thriving farm and and reignite the movement that the uh, black farmers are talking a lot about about growing our own foods, owning our own land, um, and helping children educate on healthy eating. Having said that, if we fast forward from August 2017 all the way up to 2023, they have been terrorized and victimized by a neighbor who um, has, you know, called very negative attention to them. They have had animals mutilated, the dog poisoned, cows killed. They've had a Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, every puts signs up on their property. They've had it burned down. They've had the N-word spray painted on their property. And they have essentially at this point in time been completely terrorized by their neighbor, Teresa Clark. Hmm. So some of this, some of the coverage that I've seen of this story has painted it as a conflict between neighbors over a property line, while other versions have really made this sound like the whole town of Yoder including the sheriff's office is part of this 
racist conspiracy to get rid of the Mallories. It's been really hard to figure out what's true, what's false, what's someone's perspective, what other people are bringing to this. Where do you think the truth really lies? What's your read of the situation? Having gotten this close and this involved and and looking at the El Paso County um, Sheriff's press release, having actually spoken to several people from El Paso County, including Commander Laurie, I can't say her last name. I feel like, number one, this is not at all a land dispute. Number two, this is a complete bullying, intimidation, just a straight out assault attack on the character of the Mallory's. And this is definitely racially motivated and is essentially the county and the neighbor are seriously trying to force the Mallory's off of their land and get rid of them out of Colorado. It's just, they don't want them there. That has been evidently clear and they're trying to do everything in humanly possible to get rid of them. And now I feel like El Paso County Sheriff Gerhardt has been complicit in conspiring with the Clarks to help use the legal system and weaponize it against uh, Courtney and Nicole Mallory. And I 100% feel it's motivated because of race. Can you give me an example? How do you see that specifically with the sheriff? Specifically with the sheriff, the El Paso County Sheriff Department will constantly tell you they were involved in 170 response calls that quote unquote involved the Mallory's. They make it appear as if there were something aggressive that the Mallory's were constantly doing. Well, the Mallory's in the beginning were being harassed by their neighbor. They Courtney Mallory filed and Nicole filed a restraining order against Teresa Clark because she was attacking them and assaulting them. Teresa was arrested, but none of the claims that the Mallory's indicated were deemed valid or true. This same Teresa Clark put restraining order against them. Thus, when you look at the affidavit and why they were served uh, arrest warrants, it was simply because of very minute, small infractions. They accused the Mallory's of moving a trash can. They didn't do. They accused the Mallory's of trespassing, which they did not do. They can't trespass on your own land. And then they accused um, the Mallory's of the cameras is why she needed a protective order, which is a gray area because the new cameras were installed where the sheriff's office actually gave uh, the advice of where Courtney Mallory should put them. So it's like a double entendre because now the sheriff says, hey, this is legally where you need to have these cameras. But then suddenly you're getting a restraining order and uh, arrest warrant because of the cameras. The Mallory's have done absolutely nothing, which we typically constitute as someone needing a restraining order. This matter could have been handled a long time ago. Now we come back to while he's incarcerated, guess what happens? I'm there, I'm calling, I'm asking for everything, NAACP, every person you could possibly imagine. We're trying to say, what are the court hearings? What are the dockets? Everything online that you could possibly get. Why is it that they omitted that at 10.30 a.m., 
Bonnie Clark, the mother of Teresa Clark, mysteriously just had to stroll in and file a restraining order for fear of her life and add additional felony charges onto Courtney Mallory from from the previous charges from Teresa Clark. Does this look Hmm. suspicious to you? Why, if Bonnie was so afraid and so worried, why within the last five years would she have not already filed a restraining order? So how is it mysteriously the Sheriff Gerhardt, the same Sheriff Gerhardt who can't stand the Mallory's, is the sheriff taking the affidavit for Bonnie Clark in what, February of 2023? None Hmm. other time five years prior, but simply to add additional charges to Courtney in hopes that they can get one of these felony charges to stick. Hmm. That, to me, is discrimination. It's in a direct violation of the Fair Housing Act. And that indicates to me that this is race motivated because, number one, Gerhardt should not have taken the affidavit. And number two, certainly, if this was anything authentic, authenticable, if that's even a word, then why didn't Bonnie file this, I don't know, anytime in 2022? Hmm. Have you talked to the Mallory's much? Yes. How are they feeling? I think they were feeling overwhelmed, alone, isolated, victimized, terrorized, only beginning to feel some relief because a lot of us community leaders are here with them. Um, NAACP from Rocky Mountain, NAACP, we're here with them. We helped. Only thing we can really make sure is constantly check on them, make sure they're safe, make sure their farm's safe. No more animals come up dead, missing, or anything like that. And we've also helped them retain, or at least Courtney at this time, a very strong defense criminal attorney. And when you put it in a strong defense criminal attorney, I'm finally feeling like there may actually be some justice served. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So you are optimistic about justice. That was my next question. I mean, the, we... I've seen cases like this go through our justice system and get all twisted around. Tell me about what what justice would look like to you. Number one, that the felony five charges get dropped and that they're not convicted of any felony uh, activity because that would mean a felony five would mean that they would not be able to have firearms on their farms. And being a person who comes from a family of farmers, that's why my family came to Colorado. That's why a lot of black families come to Colorado is because there was a time where coming to Colorado was a special place where you could farm without being harassed by the KKK or the authorities. I have family that had to flee Kansas, Oklahoma, Alabama, 
Because if you had a thriving farm, that meant the KKK were going to come and take your land. And the hopes was that Colorado was something different. Colorado was something special. And unfortunately, the Mallory's are experiencing what a lot of black farmer families have experienced across the country. Racism, hate, and the system being against you. And what makes me optimistic is, number one, I'm a native of Colorado. I have a long history with Colorado. My grandmother is all still alive and my father and mother. And and we love Colorado. And the hope would be that people will see that this is not Colorado and El Paso County is just an extension of what they once were. They were a sundown town and they were the stronghold for the Ku Klux Klan. And hopefully the new sheriff will get the message that it's 2023 now. It's not 1953. And you need to get a workforce, a staff force, and 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 a new mantra and a new mission that reflects the county that you are supposed to protect. Hmm. So this is not a common case. Like, I know you, you lead the Rocky Mountain NAACP. You haven't dealt with a similar situation like this in the past? These things don't come up? Well, on to this magnitude for when you look at the details of the county, No. Um, and not only am I the president of Rocky Mountain NAACP, but that means I'm the president of Colorado, I'm the president of Montana, and I'm the president of Wyoming. And both, all three states have black farmers. And so, um, and in Montana has a similar situation where there are African Americans who've migrated to Montana to build their farm and, and thrive and, and do their land. And they don't have the same situations. And that's a Republican state. And they don't have near the, the pain of the same situations that the Mallory's are experiencing in El Paso County. And let me mind you, this is not an isolated situation. El Paso County over the last five years has had incident after incident after incident involving blacks and their sheriffs and their county. And they, they have no answers for, for victims being brutalized. They have no answers for people coming out missing and the mysterious death that happened in the El Paso County Detention Center. So this is to me not an isolated incident. This is a problem that integrates the entire system or the entire administration with the El Paso County Sheriff's Department. And it would be my hopes that the new Sheriff Roybal, if I'm saying his name correctly, would, number one, hire someone who does deals with community relations. And they begin to understand that as Denver becomes more expensive, Aurora becomes more expensive, many people of color are migrating to that section of the state in that county. And they need to understand, they need to catch up with times. I want to ask you about the the media aspect of this, because this story is blown up in the last couple of weeks. I think people all over the world are paying attention to what's happening here. What do you think would be useful for people in Denver, for people anywhere to to know about this? You just want to be able to live in peace and safety. Does that make sense? You, you really want them to to really just be able to farm, live in peace, not be on a national spotlight. This situation got escalated and is out of control because of the mishandling of this situation by the El Paso County Sheriff's Department. When you look at their press release and and they will tell you a million times they've had 170 calls in reference to the Mallory's. Well, if you had that many calls, why don't you know what cakes and cookies they love at this point in time? Because there's no way, right? There's no way you could have come out to their property that, you know, we're not talking about like McMansions or anything like that. And you've, someone should have pretty much have gotten to know them at this point in time. But to have your defense and your press release show, indicating how you had SWAT out there to serve them, to arrest her. 
I don't understand how strong the the Mallory's are at this point in time because I know as Portia Prescott, if I would have had to swap coming to my house because of a white neighbor, her story, her fictitious stories, and I'm being arrested, I'm being victimized, I'm being handcuffed, I'm being persecuted, I probably would have never gone back to that property. And I specifically think that's exactly what the county wanted. They wanted them to intimidate them so badly that they just left. Let's look to the future for a second, because I just read a few minutes ago that there's a, a rally planned in solidarity with the Mallory's outside the Capitol here in Denver on Friday. And it's in support of a new bill that I wasn't familiar with. It's called the Karen Act with a C, yes. which yes. Um, would make racially biased calls to 911 illegal. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. If you've looked across the country, and I want to say this correctly, because The only safety for blacks in America that we can have when it comes to law enforcement is no contact with law enforcement. So every data study shows the less contact that blacks have with law enforcement, the less worry that we have to be, you know, but where we're being victimized, terrorized, beaten, all the things that you typically see with the George Floyd case, which you see with the Tyrone Nichols case. As long as we don't have contact with the police, we're good, right? The Karen Act, it's caution against racially exploitive non-emergencies. Because uh, Karen, and I don't want to use that in anyone's names because I know some amazing women named Karen, but traditionally in the history of America, going all the way back to Emmett Till, when a white woman craves cries out to the police, she is automatically believed and the black person is is not their, their word means nothing. So going back all the way to the Emmett Tills, if we don't have to worry about a white woman just being able to call out the police because because she feels threatened or whatever for no apparent reason, the person is absolutely doing nothing, then there should be some accountability that, that she comes, that that person who does that to another black person, the minute she calls the police like that, she's jeopardized their life, their life. And that's what white women don't understand. When you falsely call out the police on a black person. You have literally just put their life in danger. And there has to be repercussions for that. You have to not be able to just call the, the police because you're you're white and you want to. And so just to be specific, how would that bill have uh, changed the situation with the Mallory's? Well, number one, we wouldn't be here with this entire situation because even when as many times as is Teresa Clark, when it comes out in discovery who Teresa Clark really is, how vicious and evil and off she really is. She should have had no authority to call the police. They should have been able to see right through that. And you're talking about a black couple facing five felony charges because of one white woman calling the police. She threatened the life of Courtney Mallory. She threatened the life of Nicole Mallory. Because of what? Because she thinks they stepped on her land, which even in the press release, if anyone listens closely, Sheriff Roybal said it himself, the road, that land easement, that road leading to the property is actually the Mallory's property. Why are we even here talking? Why are you talking to me? Why is it NAACP? Why are the Mallory's invest having facing five felony charges, criminal charges, jail? All of it, every single infraction comes from one 
white woman. And since El Paso County doesn't have the capabilities, which they have clearly demonstrated to, to sheriff anything, then basically we could have called out on a, a head of a federal investigation. And then at least at this point in time, by the time it got to call 50, then we could have had some federal investigation and some federal help since obviously 170 times and the, and the El Paso County sheriffs couldn't get it right. Portia Prescott, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Paul. But everyone needs to clearly know that the Mallorys are the victims and they are the victims. They are the victims and get it through your head. They are the victims of a vicious woman and a vicious system that allows a vicious woman to weaponize the the police and the uh, courts against them. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The Catholic Church and the LGBTQ community. We talked last week about the local Catholic school teacher, Maggie Barton, who was fired after the archdiocese learned she was in a same-sex relationship. Now, according to the Denver Post, two women were refused communion at All Souls Catholic Parish in Englewood last weekend over an act of solidarity. Susan Doty and three friends wore rainbow-colored masks and pride ribbons, not to be disruptive, Doty said, but to, quote, be a witness to those who support the teacher. And finally, a moment of joy. Neighborhood activists living near the Broadway and I-25 interchange just scored a big win for pedestrians. Denverite reports that Brittany Spinner and Amy Kenrike, or maybe Kenrick, sorry Amy, led a campaign against the city's plans to redesign the interchange. And now, after transportation advocates and one member of city council jumped on board, the city says they're reassessing with pedestrian safety and walkability in mind. Here's to you, Brittany and Amy. Thanks for giving us a moment of joy. If you have a moment of joy you want to share, we'd love to hear it. You can text or leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. That's 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Brittany and Amy about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then.